Welcome to Damn Good Movie Memories with your host, Ryan Davis. This podcast is the cure for your long commute and super boring work day. Hey there, it's Brian Davis, and for this week's episode, we're going to cover the movie Nobody Lives Forever from 1946. The studio is Warner Brothers. Release date was October 12, 1946. The running time, 100 minutes, and it was in black and white. Leonard Maltin from his classic movie guy gives it 3 out of 4 stars. He writes a well-done but familiar yarn of a con man, played by John Garfield, fleecing a rich widow, played by Geraldine Fitzgerald, and then falling in love for real. Now, I think I saw this on TCM, Turner Classic Movies, about eh, five to ten years ago. And since I enjoy film noir and John Garfield, it was an easy buy on DVD. Once it was released on the Warner Brothers Archive Collection, where they press on-demand DVDs for classic films. Okay, let's get into the main cast. We have John Garfield, who plays Nick Blake. I already covered Garfield's career on the Postman Always Rings Twice episode. Check that out. 1946 was a great year for Garfield as he starred in this film, Humoresque with Joan Crawford, and the aforementioned Postman Always Rings Twice with Lana Turner. But sadly, Garfield would die in 1952 at the age of 39 from a heart condition. Geraldine Fitzgerald plays Gladys Halverson. I actually briefly covered Fitzgerald in her later career as she played Dudley Moore's rich aunt in the 1981 film Arthur. Fitzgerald was born in Ireland, and her film career began in the mid-1930s, with her big break appearing in two very popular films, Wuthering Heights with Laurence Olivier and Merle Oberon, and Dark Victory with Betty Davis. However, her career never really seemed to take off after continuous clashes with her studio, but she would continue to be a working actress for the rest of her career in various films and television shows, and would retire in the late 1980s. The director, John Negulesco. His career began directing short films, usually musical shorts in the 1940s. His first major film was in 1944 for The Mask of Demetrios, that had Peter Lorre and Sidney Greenstreet in it. And then it was The Conspirators with Hedy Lamarr and Paul Enried. And then Three Strangers, again with Peter Lorre and Greenstreet. And then Geraldine Fitzgerald. This was prior to Nobody Lives Forever. Okay, let's get into the making of the film. So it's an adaptation of the 1943 novel of the same title by W.R. Burnett. As you might remember, when I covered the 1931 gangster film Little Caesar with Edward G. Robinson, Burnett wrote the original novel to Little Caesar, which that film was based on. Many of Burnett's novels were adapted to popular gangster films like High Sierra and The Asphalt Jungle. He also wrote screenplays like the original Scarface from 1932, The Whole Town's Talking, This Gun for Hire, and The Asphalt Jungle. For Nobody Lives Forever, Warner Brothers paid Burnett to write a screenplay meant for Humphrey Bogart to star in and co-star Anne Sheridan. However, Burnett had a clause in his contract that if the studio didn't make the film in a certain amount of time, he would retain the rights back to the script and then he could adapt it to a novel. This is actually what happened. And then he sold the story as a serial to a magazine and later published as a novel. And then even later, Warner Brothers ended up paying Burnett again for the rights to the novel in order to adapt to the screen, which he was paid again to write the adaptation, which you gotta say, he's pretty savvy by, him, by Burnett and his agent. So by this time, Bogart was unavailable as he was working on The Big Sleep, and John Garfield replaced Bogie, and Garfield was one of the hottest actors at the time. And Sheridan was replaced by Geraldine Fitzgerald. And John Garfield was very pleased to work with his co-star Fitzgerald because he had admired her work for a number of years. 
Okay, let's get into the film. So it begins with a narration from Nick Blake. That's John Garfield, who has been released from an army hospital in New York after three months recuperating after being wounded during World War II. Nick receives his honorable discharge and meets his childhood friend Al Doyle, played by George Tobias, and he sees him outside the hospital. Before the military, Nick and Al were into the rackets, and they were con men. Nick is eager to meet up with his old girlfriend, Tony, played by Faye Emerson. And she was supposed to hold his stash away cash of $50,000 that he left with her when he went off to war. By the way, the equivalent of $50,000 in 1944, compared to today, is $835,000. It's not a minuscule amount of money. Tony is now running a small cafe, which Nick believes is his cafe, and she's moved into his old apartment. Nick arrives at his Manhattan apartment to find Tony's belongings scattered about. He also finds a smoking pipe. Looks like Tony has another man in her life. Nick and Al go to visit Tony at her cafe, which is actually a nightclub. Tony is now partnered and romantically involved with Chet King, played by Robert Shane. Robert Shane was Inspector Henderson on the Superman television show back in the 50s with George Reeves. Anyway, as it turns out, Chet owns the place, not Tony. Your number is coming up now, Miss Blackburn. Oh, thanks, Bob. Don't go away, fellas. I'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, my favorite singer and yours, Miss Tony Blackburn. Great girl, Tony. Big draw. Guess who's on my mind? You again. When I'm with you, that old feeling is new again. Every kiss I steal has a new appeal. Something unforeseen. Intrigues me, you know what I need Guess who's in my dream You again When I awake, why am I always blue again King, it's kind of noisy here, let's go in your office Every What for? There's a little business I'd like to talk over with you My heart keeps asking me when Just you again. Ever since that first night we sat giving our hearts. Wait here, Al. I felt the same. I guess love's to blame. You're in my heart to stay. Cigar? No, thanks. Why don't you smoke your pipe? What do you want, Blake? In two words, my dough. <laughs> what dough? Look, I know all about you, King. You can always get a bankroll if there's some dumb dame around. That's okay with me. Just so long as it's not my dough. I'll take it up with Tony. She lost it. I don't want to get rough with you unless I have to. Every now and then My heart keeps asking me when we Laugh again, to live again, to love. 
Miss Blackburn will be back with us a little later. Now let's dance. I want to see Nick. He'll be out in a minute. I want to tell you something, Tony. All the time I was in the army, I didn't have much else on my mind but you. All the way back home on that hospital ship, I kept seeing your face, waiting for me. Nick, darling. Yep, that was a quick slap from Nick to Tony, and Nick, as we are quickly learning, isn't going to be made a sucker out of. He gets his 50000 from Chet, and he heads to Los Angeles by train with Al to see one of his old con buddies named Pop Gruber, played by the great character actor Walter Brennan. See the wonders of nature. Tonight's satin is visible with its ring, and you can also see the mountains of the moon. It's only a dime, folks, just one thin dime. What do you see, mister? How about you, Kel? Take a look at the moon for a dime? Huh? Why not? I paid a whole lot more to see a whole lot less. Yeah, well, look right in there. Close one eye. You see? The moon is full tonight. It's beautiful, ain't it? Say! That's got more warts than a toad. Yeah, well, those are mountains and valleys just like we have, only the moon is dead, you see. Nothing lives on it. I don't like that. Makes me very unhappy to think of it up there in space all by itself. Yeah, I know how you feel, but... Nick, how are you, boy? Fine, Pop. I see business is pretty good. Yeah, I was just about to close a deal. Are you sure that's the moon I'm looking at? I'll guarantee it. That's all, mister. Just a minute. I haven't paid you a dime yet. Never mind the dime. That's on the house. Come on, move on. I, uh, I just got in from the east, Papa. I thought I'd drop by and see if you were still at the same old stand. Glad to see you. What happened? Did you land out of the army? <laughs> no, I, I got an honorable discharge. Talked him out of it, huh? Same old Nick. <laughs> You here all by yourself? No, Al Doyle's with me, waiting in the cab. Pop, I wanted to thank you for that box you sent me. You know, you were the only guy that remembered me while I was across. Oh, that's okay. I did that for old time's sake. But say, Nick, tell me. How's the big town living? There must have been a lot of changes since my time, huh? Yeah, everything has changed. Don't ever go back. It'll disappoint you. Oh, uh, nothing could be that now. Uh, what brought you out? Get something lined up? No, I'm out of circulation for a while. All I want to do is rest and take orders from nobody. <laughs> sure must have been tough for you to take orders. Say, where you staying? I'll let you know later, Pop. Maybe you can come out and we'll split a bottle of beers. Well, I'll be seeing you. <laughs> okay, Nick. How about it, folks? See the wonders of nature. Tonight's satin is visible with its ring, and you can also see the mountains of the moon. And it's only a dime, folks, one-tenth of a dollar. Pop's racket is when drunks go and lean over to look at the telescope, well, Pop pickpockets them. Anyway, a shifty-looking guy recognizes Nick and heads over to his boss, Doc Ranson, played by George Calorius. Doc remembers Nick, but never liked him. However, Doc needs a bankroll to get his racket up and running. Doc approaches Pop to see if Pop will help him recruit Nick to join his racket. 
The con that Doc wants to pull off is swindling a rich widower out of her wealth, which is over $2 million. The lure of a cut of that large sum of money gives Pop pause to listen to Doc's plan. Pop visits Nick and Al at their beachfront house to share Doc's con idea. The widower is new to Los Angeles, and she knows nobody after moving from Minnesota. But Nick isn't interested in the con, and sends Pop on his way. But Al is constantly in Nick's ear, and in his passive-aggressive way, keeps dropping hints that maybe Nick isn't up to a large con anymore. Well, Al's goading worked, and Nick agrees to meet with Doc and his gang, two other guys, about the widow con. The woman's name is Gladys Halverson, played by Geraldine Fitzgerald. Her husband died two years prior and left his $2 million fortune to her. Gladys is staying alone at a fancy hotel in downtown Los Angeles. However, Doc's info is slightly incorrect, as Nick discovered from his own recon. Gladys isn't alone. Her business manager is also in Los Angeles named Charles Manning, played by Richard Gaines. So the con won't be as easy with Charles in the picture. Pop didn't tell Nick that Doc was involved, which was on purpose because Nick has a mutual dislike of Doc. Nick makes it clear that if he participates in the con, that he's the boss, not Doc. Also, since Nick has to bankroll the whole operation, he wants two-thirds of the take or no deal. Doc is outraged but has no other choice to agree to these terms. Nick gets a suite at the same hotel as Gladys and makes it known that he's a high-powered shipping baron. Al stays with Nick as his business secretary. That night at the hotel restaurant, Nick stops by at Gladys's table where she is dining with her business manager, Charles. Nick made sure that when he checked into the hotel that Charles saw him and made up a story about the lobby clerk trying to introduce him, but he was called away at the time. This gives an opening for Charles to introduce Nick to Gladys and an invitation to dine with both of them. Nick only briefly stays, claiming he has business matters to attend to, but charms Gladys and drops that he's staying on the beach. Gladys is kind to Charles, but very bored by him, so it's perfect for Nick to come swooping in. Both Al and Nick are surprised about how attractive Gladys is. They were expecting an older, homely widow. Nick and Al make sure to have breakfast at the hotel restaurant, hoping to see Gladys. She does indeed arrive and joins Nick and Al for breakfast and invites Gladys to the beach, and she accepts. Charles is too busy wanting to play golf to even care about Gladys at this point. Nick and Gladys spend the day together, and Gladys has a wonderful time. One of the best times she's had in many years. Over the next few weeks, Nick and Gladys see each other daily, and you can tell they're both falling for each other. However, Doc isn't happy with Nick taking his sweet time with the con, and tells Pop this. Pop tells him to back off, and Nick will finish the job. Charles approaches Nick about Gladys investing in a shipping business. Now, Nick has been a master about dropping casual hints about his pseudo-salvaging business, but never comes on strong. Just enough for Charles to get interested. Nick plays it completely cool when Charles approaches him and says they actually don't need more funding, but he can talk to his New York partner to see if they can make an exception. Again, Nick is a master con man. Things are going great for Nick, almost too perfect. And that quickly changes when Tony arrives in Los Angeles looking for Nick. Tony, of course, could ruin the whole con. Plus, to complicate matters, Nick is starting to fall for Gladys for real. So how will Nick manage Tony, Doc, and his heart? Well, it's up to you to have to watch the final 40 minutes to find out. I will leave you this clip where Nick shows he's definitely fallen for Gladys. That ending music has them kissing. Door was open, so we just walked in. Good. Everyone is welcome. 
Would you like me to show you around? Well, uh, how about it, Gladys? Would you mind if we just look? Perhaps that is best. Uh, how old is this church, Father? It was founded in 1776 by the three padres, Sera, Magaragi, and Amurio, and is probably the oldest part of the mission. Well, that's, uh, that's very interesting. Thank you. This is for the poor box. If there's anything I can do, you will find me through that door. Thank you, Father. I didn't know whether to give him any money or not. Seemed all right. Where's that singing coming from? Must be from the school building. Didn't you notice it when we came in? No. I uh, wonder where that door goes to. I don't think you like the mission, Nick. I'm afraid I've wasted your afternoon. Oh, it's all right. Uh, let's go outside. back there reminded me of some of the churches we saw, except they were all wrecked. Holes in the roof, statues all over the floor, paintings ripped to pieces, everything smashed. I'm sorry. It's all right. Maybe I forgot about what we saw too easy. It's too bad people can't get along. The world's a pretty nice place if you're happy. Are you happy? I wasn't. When? Till I met you. John Garfield is just great as a suave con man, and Geraldine Fitzgerald does well in her role. And if you don't want to wait to watch the film, you can hear a radio adaptation from 1947 featuring Jane Wyman and Ronald Reagan. Yes, that Ronald Reagan, the actor. And by the way, if you didn't know, Wyman and Ronald Reagan were married from 1940 to 49. All right, a fun fact. So Faye Emerson, who plays Tony in the film, was married to President Franklin D. Roosevelt's son, Elliot, at the time of this film. All right, as I mentioned, I do have the Lux Radio Theater adaptation from November 17, 1947, again with Jane Wyman and Ronald Reagan. So why don't we play that? And I'll be back next week to talk about yet another random movie from my DVD collection. Lux presents Hollywood. Lever Brothers Company, the makers of Lux Toilet Soap, bring you the Lux Radio Theater, starring Jane Wyman and Ronald Reagan in Nobody Lives Forever. Ladies and gentlemen, your producer, Mr. William Keeley. Greetings from Hollywood, ladies and gentlemen. One of the pictures I directed at Warner Brothers some time ago 
included in its cast two young, talented players destined not only for triumphant screen careers, but also for a happy married life together. They were, as you've already guessed, the stars of tonight's Lux Radio Theater play, Ronald Reagan and Jane Wyman. They bring you Warner Brothers' recent screen hit, Nobody Lives Forever, an exciting drama of what happens when love complicates the intrigues of a big-time racketeer. Naturally, since pictures first united us, I've always valued Jane and Ronald's friendship, and I'm grateful to Lux Toilet Soap for bringing us together in another dramatic venture. But in a larger sense, that's what Lux does every week for millions of people, brings them together in a common liking for good plays, fine stars, and for the product that makes possible these Monday night reunions, Lux Soap. I'm sure that latter preference is well rewarded. Our clock says curtain time, and here's act one of Nobody Lives Forever, starring Jane Wyman as Gladys Halverson and Ronald Reagan as Nick Blake. Through the night, several hours out of New York, a fast train speeds westward. In a Pullman compartment, two men have sat in silence for some time. But silence is something that Al Doyle can't endure for very long. You like your dinner, Nick? You save a pretty good meal on this train, huh? Yeah, it was okay. Feeling all right? I'm feeling fine. Uh, Nick, you mind if I ask you a couple of questions? Why should I mind? Go ahead. I, I don't get it, Nick. When I started asking you questions before, you, you got sore. You clammed right up. Try me now. Well, for one thing, what are we doing on this train? We're going to California. Yeah, that much I can read off the tickets. But uh, but why, Nick? Why California? Like I said, I'm tired. I want a vacation. I've been two years in the Army overseas and eight weeks in the hospital. Yesterday, the Army says I'm a civilian again. Okay, I want to relax for a while. Yeah, I know, Nick. I know, but... What's the matter with someplace closer to New York? Nick, the town is buzzing. I, I never seen so many square johns with loose dough in my life. The boys are making tastes you wouldn't believe, and in very few beefs. Well, why'd you come with me then, Al? Why leave the gold mines? Ah, because you're the smartest operator I ever seen. Because you always cut me in on all your deals. I'm dumb, but not that dumb to shake you loose, Nick. And let me handle things my own way, Al. I, uh, I still got one question left, Nick. What about her? What about Penny? You saw her last night, didn't you? Yeah, I saw Penny. Well, you didn't see much of her while I was in the Army, huh? Oh, now and then, Nick. <laughs> she don't like me. I had some dough when I went overseas. $50,000. I turned it all over to her. You what? You gave that thing... She was going to hold it for me. Except last night she told me it was gone. She'd opened up that nightclub and lost it all. Lost it? Oh, Nick, that place is doing great. Every nightclub's doing great. How could she lose 50000 bucks? Eddie King. Eddie King? And he said that when she went broke, he took the place over. But he did more than take over the nightclub. He took over Penny, too. Did she tell you that? She didn't have to tell me. <laughs> no doll, no girl. And you let him get away with it. Depends how you look at it, Al. From where I sit, I'm happy just to be alive. I feel okay. Yeah, I guess Eddie King feels okay, too. That I'm not so sure about. Ah, so you beat up on him. What good did it do you? You can't eat it. Since when? Here, look. Huh? Open up the envelope. Go ahead. Hey, Nick. Nick, this is money. 
All this dough, where'd you get it? Mr. King kicked in. Oh, how can you do this to me? Why didn't you tell me? 60,000 bucks, Al. My original 50 plus interest. Well, what do you know? And, and me thinking that army life had slowed you down. <laughs> okay, Nick, what do we do when we get to California? We take it easy. I'll rent a place down by the ocean and lap up that sunshine. I'd also like to see an old friend of mine, Pop Gruber. Remember him? That old has-been? In my book, he's okay. You know what he's doing now? He wrote me last Christmas. There's a park somewhere near the station in L.A. Pop's got a telescope in the park. Ten cents to look at the moon. Grubbing for dimes. You know, the first thing I'm going to do when we get to California, I'm going to look at the moon. See the wonders of nature? Only dime, folks. One dime. See the mountains of the moon. And what do you see, mister? Where I come from, it used to be a nickel. And when I come from, guys like you... Nick. Nick, how are you, boy? I'm fine, Pop. How's the telescope racket? <laughs> looking up, Nick, looking up. Where'd you come from? Just got off the train. Thought I'd check up on you. Oh, am I glad to see you. And what happened, Nick? You lay him out of the army? No, I talked him into a discharge, Pop. Talked your way out, eh? <laughs> Same old Nick. You here alone? Al Doyle's with me, waiting in a cab. Pop, I wanted to thank you for the box you sent me. You know, you and Al were the only guys that remembered me while I was across. Oh, forget it. Nick, what are you doing out here? You got something lined up? Not a thing. All I want to do is rest. Well, where are you going to be staying? I'll let you know as soon as we settle down. You'll come out, Pop. We'll split a bottle of beer, huh? Oh, I sure like to, Nick. Well, I'll look you up in a day or two. So long, Pop. Gosh. Uh, how about it, folks? See the wonders of nature? Just a dime, folks. Just ten cents. Hello, Pop. I'm working with you, I just seen something better in the moon. It didn't cost me nothing. I said blue. Nick Blake, huh? What's he up to, Pop? He ain't up to nothing. And if he was, you don't think I'd tell you, do you? <laughs> it's okay, Pop. But I better tell Doc Jensen that Nick Blake just come to town. <laughs> Doc, relax. No use getting all worked up all the time. No use, huh? No use when there's a $2 million sucker just waiting for us? I can't sleep at night thinking about it. But look at me. No front, no clothes, no nothing. Hanging on in the third-rate hotel just like... i just been down around the park. i seen someone there, Doc. You remember Nick Blake? i seen him buzzing Pop Kruber. Nick Blake. He used to be your pet hate, used he, Doc? Yeah, how come, Doc? He's a top man in the racket, ain't he? Top man, my foot, he'll get caught up with. They never caught him yet. I used to know Blake around Broadway. Dame used to go for him like a he was... Swell-headed phony. Wait a minute, Doc. We could use a guy like Blake. That uh, Dame with the two million bucks? I'll make a play myself. But I need a bankroll first. I've told you both a dozen times, front. I gotta have front, and that takes money. We know you could make the play, Doc, but I was just thinking. Somebody like Blake, see? Maybe you could talk him into staking us. It's possible. He's not so hard to break down. Just a lucky small-timer with a front, that's all. Huh. What's the meaning of that? Small-timer? Blake? You heard me. When I first saw him, I had a suite in the best hotel in Miami, and he was knocking around trying to pick up the crumbs. Oh, maybe so, Doc. I don't like I don't... the guy, and I never did. Don't you right. We could use him. I can forget my pride when I have to. Okay, I'll go have a talk with Pop Gruber. Hello, Pop. Huh? Where you been the last two days, huh? Been looking for you. Yeah, I ain't been around, Doc. You went here last night. I thought you'd come in every night for a beer. Well, I'm here now, ain't I? Drink up, huh? 
Buy another one. I only drink two beers a night. This is my second. Now. Nick Black's in town. Yeah? He's in town. Matter of fact, I was with him last night. I've located the sucker, Pop. Blake might be interested in financing the project. Forget it. Look, this is the biggest thing there is. All I we tell need you, is... it's no use. It'll be worth 500 to you if I can find him. Because you've got 500. I will have, and you know you can trust me. Doc, you and Wendy and Shake haven't seen five C's in five years. We all have our ups and downs. That was the biggest there was once. Yeah, once don't count. Well, I guess I'll call it a night. No, wait a minute. Look, Pop. I found a widow with two million bucks, and she's very lonesome. The easiest touch there is. Doesn't know a soul out here. I tell you, Doc, Nick's taking it easy. Besides, he'd never work with you. I've been living for this one, Pop. I'm going to see that that sucker gets taken no matter what. A small bankroll's all I need to put me right back where I was, on top. That's where I belong, and you know it, right on hey, top. Not so loud, Doc. Take it easy. Take it easy? Well, there's two million bucks begging for a sleigh ride? Maybe I will have another beer. Uh, what else do you know about this widow? Call me, Al? Come in, Nick. We we got company. Yeah, didn't expect me back so soon, did you, Nick? Well, Pop, fine. I just been in for a swim. Sit down, Pop. Ah, this sure is some swelly up, Nick. House like this, ocean right at your door. <laughs> well, don't blame you for wanting to take it easy. You're itching to spill something, Pop. Oh, you're too young to take it easy, Nick. In spite of all these high income taxes, two million dollars is still a lot of money. How much did you say? Come on, Pop, open up. Well, there's a nice $2 million job in town, but Nick would rather go in swimming. All right, Pop, put on the con. I used to be a pretty fair confidence man in the old days, Nick, but age caught up with me, just like it does to all of us. Who sent you to see me? As far as I can make out, this is a right touch, and a guy like you, Nick, could turn it in a month. Go on. Go on, we're listening. It seems there's a widow. Come out a few weeks ago from Minneapolis. That's a switch, taking a widow. Nick, at least listen to This her. widow can stand a take. She's loaded. You can set yourself for life, Nick. And you'd be helping me out, too. I'm sure getting tired of that ten-cent telescope. And picking pockets while the customers are looking at the moon. Well, I'm getting old. I do the best I can. This, this widow now, she, she's living at the Marwood Arms. Her husband died a year or so ago, and she's lonesome. Why, it's just your day. The swimming was sure swell today, Pop. All right, Nick, if I'm born, you... No, no, Pop, wait. Nick, please. It's okay, Al. Nick always was stubborn as a mule. I've done all right, haven't I? Yes, you've done all right. When I was your age, I had the world by the tail, too. Making plenty of money and throwing it out the window just like you're doing. I thought there was no end to it. All right, look at me now. Don't get sore, Pop. You, maybe you got a bankroll. Living like this, how long is it going to last? What are you going to be doing when you're 65, Nick? Selling pencils? I don't think it'll ever come to that. I didn't think it would either. So long, Nick. Pop, stay for dinner. We got a good cook. No, no, I, uh, I got to get back to town. Well, not on a bus anyway. Drive him in, Al. Sure. I'll get the cop. Huh? No hard feelings. I think you're making a mistake, Nick. But no, no hard feelings. Sit down, Nick. You've been pounding that carpet ever since dinner. I've been jumpy all evening. Well, have a drink and relax. Was the idea coming here, wasn't it? Sometimes ideas don't work out. Yeah, you said it. Look at Pop's idea for making a big roll. That sure blew fast. This afternoon, I thought you were crazy for nixing it. But I I guess you were right. Why? Well, that proposition's pretty big, Nick. You've been away a long time. Don't be dumb. It'd be like rolling downhill. Well, listen, Nick, if you never want to work another deal, that's okay with me. We got plenty of dough. Only it's, uh, it's a shame to see a guy like you throwing away his talent. Oh, but don't let me or Pop influence you. Get the car, Al. Where are we going? To see Pop. 
<laughs> now you're talking, baby. Take it easy. I'm curious, that's all. Just curious. That's the whole story, Nick. I can set up a meeting with Doc and his boys any time you say. Tomorrow, Nick. Yeah, there's a lot about this I don't like. Most of it, Doc Ganson. Yeah, there's sort of a cafe on Main Street, Nick. Uh, be a good place to meet. There's a little private room where we can talk tomorrow, huh? Thursday. I want to look around first. Thursday night. Well, here he is, Doc. Here's Nick and Al. Told you Nick could be here. Hiya, Blink. Let's skip everything else, Doc, except what I'm here for. So it's me, Nick. Sit down, boys. Pop's information was a little sketchy. I've been doing some investigating on my own. What do you mean, Pop's information? I located this. I stood it. That's understood, but just to get it straight, the sucker's name is Mrs. Gladys Halverson, widow. Husband, Carl Halverson, died about a year ago and left her a fortune which amounts to $2 million. She's staying at the Marwood Arms in Suite 901. Anything else, Doc? No. I guess that about covers it. Not quite. What you didn't find out is that her business advisor is out here with her. A guy by the name of Manning. He's also staying at the Marwood Arms, which may make it a little tough. Any questions, Doc? No. Look, I'm figuring on handling this case myself. All we want from you is a stake. Pop worked this pretty smooth. He got me interested in the pitch before he told me who lined it up. If he'd mentioned your name at the start, I'd have said no. Is that plain enough? Now, if you guys want me to handle... Shake your meal with you, Mr. Blake. All right. Now, a couple of more things. I operate alone. No interference of any kind. None, as long as we're satisfied. After all, it's our pitch. Listen, you. I'll make you a present of it right now. Oh, don't mind Doc, Mr. Blake. He's just anxious. How about terms? You guys located the sucker? Fine. But I got to finance the job, do all the work, take all the risk. I want two-thirds. Two-thirds? That's the only way I'll operate. At least one-third for shaking Wendy and me. Yeah, a third or something is better than all or nothing. No. No, if it hadn't been for me, there wouldn't be any deal. I had the connections. I found the setup. It belongs to me. Nobody's going to jip me out of what's mine. Nobody. That suits me fine. I don't want to work anyway. Shaking me's got something to say about this, Doc. Say it fast, then. I, what do you figure the take will be? With that kind of money, at least 100000 Uh, will you guarantee us 30000 If I make the take, yes. Okay. We'll go along with you. <laughs> That's it, Doc. Ten G's apiece. That's a lot of money. I guess we can go now, Al. Come on, Pop, you too. You were smart to say yes, Doc. Was I? I'm not so sure. Five years ago, I wouldn't have let a mug like that shine my shoes. Now you guys treat him like he was somebody important. Uh, don't worry, Doc. He'll come through. If he wants to keep his health, he better come through. That's all I got to say. He better come through. moment, we'll return with Act Two of Nobody Lives Forever. Meanwhile, here's Libby Collins, our Hollywood reporter. What have you been up to, Libby? Indulging in a bit of nostalgia, Mr. Keeley. Out of 20th Century Fox today, I saw the dismantled set they used for their current release, Nightmare Alley. Now I know why you feel nostalgic. It was the carnival set. Yes, Mr. Keeley. Remember what fun we all had visiting that huge set? There were ten acres of it. Complete with sideshows, barkers, hot dog and taffy stands. You know, I even tried my hand at a little ring tossing. <laughs> you and many a famous Hollywood star, Mr. Keeley. Some of the stars brought their children to enjoy the fun of the Midway. That was a colorful, light-hearted background for a rather grim story. Yes, Nightmare Alley is a tough, realistic drama of carnival life. It's really a study of a scoundrel. Tyrone Power, by the way, does a fine job in the role of a hard-boiled circus roustabout. An irresistible scoundrel, though, Mr. Keeley. 
with no less than 28 love scenes in the picture. A divided, I hasten to add, among three leading ladies. Yes, there's certainly plenty of feminine charm. Joan Blondell, Colleen Gray, Helen Walker. An interesting contrast of types, don't you think, Mr. Kennedy? Yes, uh, each very appealing in a different way. But there's one similarity about them that struck me, Libby. You mean, of course, that all three have lovely Lux complexions. Then I'd be right, wouldn't I? A hundred percent. Those three beautiful stars all use Lux toilet soap regularly. You know what a forthright person Joan Blondell is. Yes. Well, when I asked her about her complexion care, she said, A Lux girl? You bet I am. Active lather facials really work for me. Lux soap beauty facials do make skin lovelier, all right. Skin specialists proved it. In three out of four cases, daily Lux soap care made skin softer, smoother. The fact that so many famous stars recommend Lux toilet soap shows how right it is for delicate skin. Now, there's a beauty counsel for lovely ladies everywhere. Why not make fragrant white Lux toilet soap your daily beauty soap? Remember, it's Hollywood's own complexion care, the choice of nine out of ten lovely stars. We return you to William Keeley. We continue with the second act of Nobody Lives Forever, starring Ronald Reagan as Nick and Jane Wyman as Gladys Halverson. For two days now, Nick Blake and Al Doyle have been occupying one of the most expensive suites in the very exclusive Marwood Arms Hotel. Purposely, Nick has avoided any contact with the affluent widow, Mrs. Halverson, or her business manager, Charles Manning. But now at the dinner hour, Nick plans his first move. Now get this straight, Al. I'm not Nick Blake anymore. I'm Nicholas Lloyd. I'm in the shipping business. Okay, okay. We've been through all that a hundred times. You're Mr. Lloyd, and I'm your secretary, Albert Hall. Check. There's something else I won't forget. These rooms are costing 50 bucks a day. I'm going down to the dining room now. Give me time to eat and then come down with this envelope. And watch your language. You're supposed to be a secretary. Good evening, Mrs. Halverson. Good evening, Mr. Evans. Good evening, Mr. Manning. Is everything satisfactory? Excellent dinner, Mr. Evans. Thank you. If there's anything else at all that you wish, please let me know. Uh, Now then, where was I, Gladys? Oh, yes, the 17th hole. I said to the caddy, my mashy niblick, please. I played a little to the right for the wind, of course. Of course. I took a full swing, and what do you suppose happened? Don't tell me you made it in par. No, I lost the ball. Don't know where it went. Never did find it. Wait till tomorrow, though. I'll wager that I... beg I'll... your pardon, Mr. Manning. Oh, yes? Uh, my name is Lloyd. I believe I owe you an apology. Apology? The manager, Mr. Evans, tells me he tried to introduce us in the lobby this morning. I misunderstood. I must have walked right past you. I hope I didn't seem rude. Oh, no, not at all. Oh, Mrs. Halverson, Mr. Lloyd. How, How do you do? do? Uh, won't you sit down? Well, if I'm not intruding, I don't want to make another mistake. You're not intruding at all. Thank you. Mr. Evans tells me you've been out here for some time, Mrs. Halverson. Yes, and I may stay indefinitely. It's such a beautiful place. Your first trip to Los Angeles? Yes. Wonderful climate here, Mr. Lloyd. Fine for golfing. Golfer's paradise, I call it. Uh, Excuse me, Mr. Lloyd. Yes? Oh, uh, my secretary, Mr. Hall. Mrs. Halverson, Mr. Manning. How do you do, Mr. Hall? Uh, This envelope just arrived, sir. Adams and Company, huh? Better send them a wire, Albert. Tell them I can't possibly give an answer till the end of the week. Uh, Yes, Mr. Lloyd. Excuse the interruption, please. Business. It's always something. I'm afraid I'm finding it a little difficult to adjust myself after the Army. Oh, were you overseas? Yes. Cigarette? Thank you. 
I've leased a house out at the beach, and I was planning to spend the whole day there tomorrow, just lying in the sand doing nothing, not even thinking. That sounds wonderful. I haven't been to the beach since I came here. No, no, I... Waste of time for me, you know. I play golf every day. Oh. Well, I was going to suggest you both drive out to the beach with me. Well, I'd better be running along. If I want to take a day off tomorrow, I'll have to work tonight. Mr. Evans mentioned your work to me. Uh, shipping business, I think he said. Well, yes, in a way. Just before the war, I got interested in maritime salvage, deep-sea tugs. Should be very big once things settle down again, you see. Well, excuse me for talking, shop. This has really been very pleasant. Good night. Good night, Mr. Lloyd. Odd sort of chap, isn't he? Deep sea salvage. Sounds like an interesting project. Too bad he doesn't play golf. Charles. Uh, yes, Gladys? Do you mind if I have a brandy? Why, Gladys, you haven't had... Why, of course. How nice to see you enjoying yourself. A waiter. <laughs> Come on, Al, let's go down and have breakfast. Oh, how come so early? Because I want to be down there when she comes in. We'll eat in the patio. You know, Nick, that dame sure surprised me. She's a dish. You just don't figure a rich widow's going to look like that. Bring all those phony letters and photographs along. We'll be cleaning up a few little business matters over our ham and eggs. Ah, this sort of life sure agrees with me, Nick. Look at me, eating breakfast with the birds and the bees. I never did this in New York. I thought you missed New York. Me? Oh, no. Little, maybe. Uh, hey, Nick, I, I wonder how Penny's doing these days. What makes you think of Penny? Mm, nothing, nothing at all. I, I was just wondering. Then stop wondering. It's one dame who can take care of herself. I hope I never see her again. And speaking of dames, here she comes, the widow. Then get in the act. Okay. It appears that several of these matters, Mr. Lloyd, have come under the jurisdiction of the Coast Guard. If it's satisfactory to you, sir, I'll wire Commander Appleton that we're... Oh, good morning, Mrs. Halverson. Well, good morning. Uh, lovely morning, isn't it? Uh, won't you join us for breakfast? Well, you seem very busy. Nonsense. Put away the correspondence, Albert. Yes, sir. I'm always looking for an excuse to quit work. Uh, waiter? Yes, sir? Uh, Mrs. Halverson would like to order. Oh, yes. I'll have the usual, please. Yes, Mrs. Halverson. As soon as I'm through with my correspondence, I'm going out to the beach. How nice. I don't suppose you could persuade Mr. Manning to give up one morning of golf. I doubt it very much. He'd be upset the whole afternoon. Oh, well, there you are. Good morning. Good, Good morning. Good morning, Mr. Manning. I just talked to Mr. Peterson, Gladys. He's waiting for me at the Meadowbrook Club. Wants me to have breakfast with him. I was wondering if you'd no, like to... No, thank you, Charles. You run along. I feel so guilty leaving you alone every day. I, I do wish you... Oh, uh, those are photographs, Mr. Lloyd. Are those the tugboats? These? Oh, yes, yes. Hmm. Had no idea they're so large. Well, this is the deep sea type, about 300 tons. Salvage, huh? Should be a tremendous business. Very interesting. Well, Gladys, I really should be getting along. Mrs. Halverson, why don't you come to the beach with me? Well, thank you. I, I'd like to very much. Fine. That's a good idea. Well, have a nice time. Goodbye, all. Goodbye, Charles. Can you be ready in an hour? I can be ready right after breakfast. Call the house, Albert. Tell them we'll be down around 11. It was heavenly. I don't remember when I've enjoyed a swim so much. Well, sit down. Dry off. Oh, what a charming sun deck. I see. Albert's fixed us a drink. Here. Thank you. You know, when I was a kid, I used to dream about having a house right on the ocean. Do you blame me for wanting to spend all my time here? I certainly don't, Mr. Lloyd. What are you thinking about? About you. 
difficult to picture you as a boy. Am I as solemn as all that? Oh, of course not. I, I just mean you appear so sure of yourself. As if you could, well, take care of yourself no matter what the surroundings were. I was brought up in a tough school. A riverfront kid in New York. You had to fight or run. I guess I did a little of both and I learned which to do when. I'll never forget those days. Don't stop. It's very interesting. It may sound interesting, but it wasn't. All I thought about was getting out. The time I was 13, I was working on a tugboat. I got kicked around plenty, but I learned the business. When the war started, I was practically running the company. Then you've done very well, haven't you? And you can't be more than what? 31, 2? 34. <laughs> I'm going to do a lot better. <laughs> well, now I'm bragging. Now, you have a right to. I, I really don't know why I'm telling you these things. Please do. I don't talk much myself, but I like to listen. Well, I like to hear myself talk, so we should get along all right. <laughs> This has been quite the nicest day I've had in a long, long time. Doesn't take much to please you. No, no, not much. I've been around so little. My husband was never in really good health, so we said seldom traveled. He liked to sit at home and read a book or listen to the radio, so not that I minded. I was happy to do whatever he wanted. You better not let other wives hear you saying that or they'll put you out of the union. Well, I didn't feel as though I'd missed anything. He depended on me a great deal. You see, before we were married, I was his secretary. Well, you're not exactly my idea of a secretary. Well, that's because you think of me as a well-to-do woman. But it wasn't always like that. My father... Well, I think I'll say what you said. I don't know why I'm telling you all these things. I don't know when I felt more like listening. <laughs> you don't have to be polite, Mr. Lloyd. I'm sure that all this is a little too quiet for you, isn't it? Oh, and don't misunderstand. I'm not saying that you're fast. It's just that you seem a little less conventional than most of the men I've met. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, don't tell on me, will you? Mr. Manning might not like it. <laughs> well, I, I'd better start thinking about getting back to town. Oh, of course. It'll be nice driving back. Sun's just going down. Hills will be beautiful. Hello, Pop. Huh? Yeah, what do you want? What do you heard? About what? Talk plain, Doc. About the deal, Nick and the dame. Listen, Doc. I'm waiting just like you are. Except I'm not worried. When'd you talk to him last? What is this? I come here to enjoy a glass of beer after work. Now, stop bothering. Look, you. It's not healthy to talk to me like that. I've talked like that to tougher guys than you. I'm past 60 and I'm still here. Nick Blake met Mrs. Harvison 10 days ago. He's been with her practically every day since. Sometimes with that Manning guy, sometimes alone. Well, that's fine. Is it? Blake's playing this dame as if he were more interested in her than in her money. He's forgetting business. I don't know what he's doing, see? But whatever it is, Nick ain't forgetting business. I got just one more thing to say. You tell that friend of yours if he doesn't get busy, you got I'm anything gonna... to say, you tell it to Nick, see? And while I'm talking, I might as well tell you this. I'm sorry I got Nick tied up with you. From now on, you stay away from me, you understand? Come in. Oh, hello, Manning. Where's Gladys? In her rooms, I believe. I just thought we might have a little chat, you and I, before we go to the races. Fine. Uh, Lloyd, um, I've been giving a lot of thought to that salvage business of yours. Really? I'm afraid I've been neglecting it. Uh, look, uh, we're both businessmen, so I'll come right to the point. I'm looking for some good, solid investments for Mrs. Halverson. Now, I don't know much about the shipping business, but if there's any... You mean you'd like to invest in our company? I'd certainly like to consider it. But we don't need any money, Manning. We're subscribed to the limit right now, and I'm not going to sell any stock. I was afraid of that. I'd like to accommodate you, of course, but you see, I have a partner in New York. 
Oh, I don't know. I suppose I could ask him to do me a favor. I'm phoning him tomorrow. That's very decent of you, Lloyd. Thanks. I'll let you know what he says. Oh, I, uh, I'll pick you and Gladys up in half an hour. What is it this afternoon, Nick? The races again like yesterday? I doubt it. She doesn't like crowds. Ah, it's good. It's fine. Maybe the beach, maybe just a drive. I don't know. Manning tagging along? Uh-uh. Just Gladys and me. I'll be back for dinner. Hey, what's your rush? She's waiting for me in the lobby. Uh, Nick, uh, Pop called this morning. I'm meeting him this afternoon in that cafe downtown. Pop says Doc's getting awful jumpy. Let him jump. Well, Doc's a bad boy, Nick. Not very. I, uh... I'm getting a little jumpy myself. Take an aspirin. Oh, Pop's no fool, Nick. If he's worried, there's something to worry about. They figure you're not bearing down hard enough on this take. A deal like this takes time. Nick, you... You sure you're not going overboard for this tomato? Look, I'm going downstairs. No, she can wait a minute. If Doc figures he's getting sold, he's going to blow the top right off. Oh, this is what comes from getting mixed up with a bunch of small-time chiselers. Always hungry, always scared. You know something? I think for once, Pop conned me into a bad one. But our dough's going like confetti, Nick. Look at these rooms in the house at the beach. It's my own dough I'm spending, remember? Come on, we can talk in the elevator. i never seen you so excited over a dame, Nick. Not even Penny in the old days. Go on, ring for the elevator. I'm very sorry, miss. I just called Mr. Lloyd's suite, but there's no answer. I see. Well, would you mind leaving word that I stop by? Miss Adams, Penny Adams. I'll be very glad to. If you'd care to wait, though, I'm sure Mr. Lloyd hasn't left the hotel. What do you mean? He's probably on his way downstairs. Oh, I'll wait for him here, then. Oh, why, there he is now, Miss Adams, just getting out of the elevator. Oh, yes, thank you. Thank you very much. Nick, Nick, look. What's the matter with you? Over there at the desk. Ain't that Penny? Penny. Go into the writing room, Al. That's where I'm supposed to meet Mrs. Halverson. Stall her in there. Yeah, sure, I'll stall her. This deal's really gone anyway. Nicky, darling. All right, Penny, what do you want? Oh, well, that's a nice greeting. Why don't we sit down somewhere and talk? How did you find me? Well, if you're really interested, I happen to run into Doc Ganson. Oh, don't worry, darling. I won't give you away. Look, I'm busy. I haven't any time. You better take time, Nick. You wouldn't jip a pal like me, would you? I'd jip you. I took my dough back, if that's what you mean. And after you did, the nightclub folded. And Eddie King ran out on you? I ran out on him. Get wise to yourself, Penny. We're washed up. You took care of that. The brush-off's not that easy, Nick. I told you. I've seen Doc Ganson. I... Well, who's the lady with Al? Oh, so that's the sucker, huh? Nice work if you can get it. So long, Penny. Hello, Gladys. Did I keep you waiting? Oh, that's all right, Nick. Oh, Albert, uh, Miss Adams over there. I think she wants to talk to you. Yes, Mr. Lloyd. I'll take care of her right away. If I've interrupted something... Oh, it's I... nothing important. Let's go, Gladys. My car's at the side entrance. Where's he going, Al? Uh, take it easy, babe. They can have you thrown right out of here. That dame. She's batty about Nick, I can tell. Come on, let's take a walk. Why? I don't like this rush act. You should have thought of that when you had Nick's roll. There's a big deal on Penny, so keep your nose out of it or... Oh, what? What'll you do, Al? Go on, I'd like to know. Nick, tell me to mind my own business if you wish, but that girl in the lobby just now, you were rude to her. That's not like you. I just didn't want to talk to her. If I was rude, I'm sorry. Well, here's the car. Are we going to the beach? Unless you have a better idea. I have an idea. I don't know if it's any better. I'll drive and don't ask any questions. Okay. 
I bounced all through Italy in a Jeep, so why should I worry about your driving? <laughs> now, just for that, I'll run you into a tree. Nick, I've made a mistake. I'm sorry. Sorry? What do you mean? My brilliant idea, driving you down here to see San Juan Capistrano. Well, I think it's a very interesting mission. If you want to see the rest of it, I'll be glad to. No, Nick. It... Let's just walk for a while. You don't like the mission at all. I'm afraid I've wasted your afternoon. No. No, it isn't that, Gladys. It's just... What is it, Nick? You're depressed. Well, it's just that seeing all this reminds me of Italy. The churches I saw there. Except they were all wrecked. Holes in the roof, statues all over the floor, paintings ripped to pieces. Everything smashed. Nick. It's all right. Maybe I forgot about what I saw too quickly. It all comes back with such a jolt. It's too bad people can't get along. The world's a pretty nice place if you're happy. Are you happy? I wasn't. When? Until I met you. I love you, Gladys. Oh, Nick. Nick, I've been waiting for you. It seems all my life I've been waiting for you. Just a minute, Nick. Doc, are you crazy? What are you doing here? I've been hanging around this corridor for an hour. I want to talk to you. Why? Because I'm also interested in Mrs. Halverson. Suppose we close the door. I'm tired of getting pushed off on Al and Pop. I got only one thing to tell you. Penny was here early this afternoon. Yeah, she told me she wanted to see you. Just don't give her any more ideas. She could queer this deal awful fast. I can handle Penny. I can handle the deal, too. You got to stop fooling around and get on to business. That Halverson dame's going to your head. All right, I'm through then. The job's all yours. I never wanted it from the start. And the further I get into it, the less I like it. Now, be. No, 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 no. Wait a minute, Nick. Uh, uh, suppose the boys may hold off for another week. Huh? I already turned it back to you. It's yours. No, no, no. Maybe you're right. Uh, maybe you do need more time. Then lay off of me. Uh, okay. Just don't pull any fast ones. Are you threatening me? Keep your hands off of me, Nick. You come up with a rod and I'll make you eat it. I only use a rod as a last resort. All right, work fast. Charles, come in. Where have you been? I've been trying to reach you. I was with Peterson all afternoon. Well, how was your drive? Wonderful. We went... Oh, Charles, what a beautiful orchid. I thought you might like to wear it at dinner. Now, Charles, I, I'm afraid I won't be able to have dinner with you after all. You see... Lloyd? Yes. He'll be here any minute. Well, Gladys, I... Well, frankly, I'm a little worried. What about? About him. Lloyd. Just now, in the lobby, a man brushed by me, getting out of the elevator. The elevator boy told me he was up here seeing Lloyd. Well? He also told me he'd seen this man before, in Miami. A gambler at the racetrack. Very unsavory. Oh, I wouldn't condemn him just because he knows such a man. But what about him? Actually, Gladys, Lloyd's a stranger... We're taking him at his own evaluation. We know absolutely nothing about him. I know one thing, Charles. I'm happy. I've never been as happy in my entire life. I'll run along, Gladys. Maybe I'll see you later in the evening. I hope so, Charles. Thank you for the lovely orchid. Hello? Hello, desk. This is Charles Manning. Get me the district attorney's office.
pause now for station identification. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. In a moment, you'll hear Act Three of Nobody Lives Forever. We all know how Texans feel about Texas, and I'm sure our guest tonight, the young screen star, Dorothy Malone, is no exception to the rule. <laughs> I think my home state is the greatest place in the world, Mr. Keeley, except perhaps Hollywood. Well, Hollywood is certainly enthusiastic about you, Dorothy. You have a Warner Brothers contract to prove that. Thank you, Mr. Keeley. It is thrilling to be working in a great studio in contact with the famous stars I've always admired. I learned a lot about acting when I watched them film Escape Me Never. Ah, yes. Warner Brothers' dramatic life of a composer with Errol Flynn as the romantic musician. <laughs> and don't forget the two lovely women in the picture. Well, when they're Ida Lupino and Eleanor Parker, how could I? <laughs> and incidentally, that story had an unusual and highly colorful background. Yes, it did. You could travel from Venice to the Austrian Alps on the sets of Escape Me Never, even though the entire picture was filmed in Hollywood. Studio technicians can work miracles. Don't you agree, John Kennedy? Yes, I do, but uh, there are times when the camera demands the genuine and real. For instance, a lovely Lux complexion. Any cameraman would agree. <laughs> That's the kind of beauty to pass the close-up test, Mr. Kennedy. Well, then, it isn't surprising that nine out of ten screen stars have made Lux toilet soap their choice for beauty care. Well, Ida Lupina and Eleanor Parker, two of the loveliest stars I know, wouldn't be without Lux Toilet Soap. I talked with Miss Lupina one day in her dressing room. She told me she was devoted to Lux Soap care. It gives my skin quick new loveliness, she said. And I know myself how really effective those facials are. Thank you, Miss Dorothy Malone. May I say that your complexion is a radiant example of what gentle Lux Soap care can do. Skin specialists confirm the effectiveness of this daily complexion care. Tests showed that in three out of four cases, skin became softer, smoother, in a short time. A beauty tip for women everywhere. Why not try fragrant white Lux toilet soap tomorrow? Here's Mr. Keeley at the microphone. The curtain rises on Act Three of Nobody Lives Forever, starring Jane Wyman as Gladys Halverson and Ronald Reagan as Nick. It's about an hour later. In the Marwood Arms Hotel, Gladys Halverson is getting ready for her date with Nick. Charles Manning has just welcomed a man from the district attorney's office. And in still another suite, Nick Blake has some startling news for Al and Pop. So we're clearing out. We're going back to New York now, tonight. But well, what about the deal? The deal is off. I'm through. Doc will throw a fit, me. I'm going to pay him off. Windy and shake, too. This guy's off his rocker. Wait a minute. Nick, you mean she's going with us to New York? Huh? The widow, huh? I mean we're going alone. Phone Doc. Tell him to meet me tonight at that cafe, 8 o'clock. Nick, wait. Why pay off them broken-down tramps? We can just disappear. Should I answer that one, Pop? He's going to pay off, Al. Nick's too big a guy to Welsh. Besides, if Doc don't get paid off, he'll take over. Phone Doc. I'm going upstairs and see Manny. <laughs> don't mind coming here to my rooms, Gladys. What's so important, Charles? You sounded so mysterious on the phone just now. Gladys, this is 
Very difficult. I've just found out for sure that Mr. Lloyd is not at all what he seems. He's a professional swindler. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Surely you don't really believe that. He'll be here any second. I told him I had a check for him, that I was buying an interest for you with his salvage company. Are you trying to tell me he wants to sell us some worthless stocks or something? Exactly. And that his real name is Blake. He's a notorious confidence man. And I'll prove it to you when he takes this check. <laughs> Charles, really, really, that's absurd. Come in. Hello, Manning. Gladys, I didn't know you were going to be here. Charles asked me to come here. Well, I'm glad you are. I just received a telegram. Bad news. Oh? We can't accept your money, Manning. Things aren't going at all well in the firm. I couldn't possibly recommend an investment until I fly back and investigate. You're leaving? Tonight. Nick, will you be gone long? I don't know. I hope not. Well, this is very disappointing. Will I see you before you go? Of course. Goodbye, Manning. Goodbye, Lloyd. Well, Charles... Uh, just a minute. He's gone, Mr. Johnson. Mrs. Halverson, Mr. Johnson, district attorney's office. How do you do? That was Blake, all right, Mr. Manning. Oh, no. You must have made a mistake. No, it's no mistake, Mrs. Halverson. Well, then, arrest him. On what charge? He didn't take your money. He refused it. Well, keep in touch. If he makes another move, let me know right away. Gladys. Well, come in. Anything wrong? Nick, tell me the truth. Is your name Blake? Who told you that? Charles, and a man from the district attorney's office. Take it from me, it's true enough. Then you didn't intend seeing me again? No. But, Nick, you... Oh, there's so many things I can't understand. Don't try to. Anyway, nobody's hurt. Nobody's hurt? I'm hurt. You could have been hurt a lot worse. I'm just a guy who's been trying to take your dough, that's all. Well, then why didn't you take it ten minutes ago? You refused the money on my account, didn't you? What's the difference? You and I, were, you know, we're two different kinds of people. Go home, stick to those you know. Pretty soon you'll forget all about it. I don't want to forget. Nick, I love you. I'd never change. But you have changed, Nick. We love each other. Or was that just part of the deal? No. No, it wasn't. Believe me, it wasn't. I love you, Gladys. I love you. Eight o'clock, you're right on time, Nick. All right, Doc, where's Windy and Shake? I can handle this alone. What is this? I guaranteed you guys 30% of 100,000. I got it right here. If you want to collect, call in your boy. No. That guarantee doesn't mean a thing anymore. How do I know how much the take really was? I'm telling you. I got a feeling there wasn't any take. You're trying to shake us. It's 30 G's or nothing, Doc, yes or no. Put your hands on the table, Nick. I got a gun on you. And it says from now on, I call the turn. Call it fast, then. You know, it's funny... You can get so close to something that you lose all perspective. It was Penny Adams who steered me straight. This afternoon, she put it all together for me. You pay us off in chicken feed, marry two million bucks, and live in Clover the rest of your life. Now you're really blowing your top. We figure the widow for two million. Thirty percent of that is what you owe us. That's all, huh? It's a lot of dough. But you can pay 50 G's at a time. Suppose I don't play ball. Why begrudge us our dough? You'll have plenty. Of course, if something was to happen to you. An accident, maybe. I'd have to take over, wouldn't I? This takes a little figuring, Doc. Now, from your point of view... All right, Doc, get up. I was going to pay you off, but now you get nothing. I'll leave your gun with the cashier out there. You better keep carrying it, because if you ever cross me again or even look like it, I'll kill you.
Nick, did you pay him off? No, it's blown higher than a kite. I was afraid of that. Well, what happened? There's no time to talk. Doc will be coming out any minute. When he does, follow him in your car, Al. Stick to it. And you? I'm going back to the Marwood Arms and make sure Gladys is all right. There's something queer about all this. Okay, Nick. As soon as you find out anything, call me there. Where is she, Manning? Where's Gladys? I've been trying to find you to ask that same question. You don't know? No, I don't. The desk clerk says she left with a man about an hour ago. A large man with a raspy voice. He says... Windy. Who? Never mind. Manning, you've got to help me. I'm calling the police. No, not yet. Here's the key to my room. Go there and stay there. I'm expecting a call. If they say it's Al or Pop, tell them I'm on my way to Doc's Hotel. You got it? Uh, yes, but who... Al or Pop, Doc's Hotel. I switch off the headlights, Pop. You don't think Doc's wise that we follow him? No, no. El Dorado Hotel. I guess we just park here till Doc comes out again. Ah, Nick's probably dreaming. He's so crazy about that thing. Yeah, maybe. Nick generally knows what he's talking about. Well, I guess we just sit here and wait. He brought her here to the room like you said, Doc. I'm sorry I kept you waiting, Mrs. Halverson. Your friends say Mr. Lloyd is in trouble. But that's all they'll tell me. I'm afraid that's all I know, Miss Halverson. Mr. Lloyd is in trouble and he wants to see you. Where is he? Why can't you take me to him? We'll be happy to take you to him. My car's at the curtains. Look, hmm? the dame, Mrs. Halverson. Yeah, with Doc and Wendy and Shake. They're all getting into Nick's car. I, I mean, Doc's car. We, we got to get a hold of Nick. Hey, you go ahead. I'll follow him alone. Yeah, yeah. There's a lunch I... wagon across the street. Wait in that lunch wagon until I call. No matter how long it takes. Just get in touch with Nick. There's anything wrong with Nick? Why didn't he telephone me? Are you sure he's all right? He's all right, Miss Halverson. You said we were going to the beach. We're at the beach, lady. But Nick's house is in the other direction. I'm sure of it. Nobody said we're going to Nick's house. Now relax, will you? We'll be there soon. Nick, I never thought you'd get here. I bet I drank a gallon of coffee waiting here in the lunch wagon. He told me on the phone Papa's going to call you. Yeah, yeah, he just did. Come on, let's lay him out of here. I'll tell you in the car. Where is she, Al? Where's Gladys? Did Pop trailed him up the coast about 30 miles. I got it all written down, Nick, all the directions. Is Gladys all right? Did Pop know? Yeah, 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 she's okay. There's a highway along the ocean. We got to look for a lighthouse. Two miles past the lighthouse is a little grocery store or something. That's where we meet Pop. This is it, Nick. Two miles past the lighthouse, and here's the store. Yeah, but it's dark. Closed for the night. Well, Pop said for sure he'd meet us Nick. at the... Pop! Where'd they take her, Pop? Uh, take it easy, Nick. They got Mrs. Halverson in a shack about 300 yards from here on the beach. It's at the end of an oil dock over the water. How do you know all this? I woke up the guy in the store to use his phone. I told him I was a government investigator checking up on oil operations. Now, look. They're alone out there, Nick. There's a guy named Ben. Watchman or something. That's his shack on the dock. You got a gun, Nick? Yeah, how about you? Well, I got one. Wouldn't swear I can shoot it, though. Wait a minute. Doc's no fool, and that girl's in a tough spot. Pop, you sure they didn't see you follow him? I was real careful. I'd say they figured they're perfectly safe out there. Now, look, Nick. Grabbing the widow means they want dough. To get dough, they gotta make a contact. 
The storekeeper said there's no phone in that shack. He said the watchman uses his phone all the time. They'd have to come to the store, then. That's how I figure it, Nick. If I was you, I'd wait right where we are. Right, it's 11 o'clock. We'll wait half an hour. Eleven o'clock, Ben. You sure that guy in the store lets you use the phone? He'll let me use it. You're all rather casual about this, aren't you? Seems to me I've heard that kidnapping is a very serious offense. I hope you're going to behave, Mrs. Halverson. We might have to get rough if you kick up a fuss. That would be rather silly of me, wouldn't it? That's what I like, Doc. A dame with sense. We'll contact Manning now, Mrs. Halverson. Manning will contact Nick Blake. Knowing me pretty well, Blake won't yell for the police. I'll put it to you this way. You're our security for a big loan. As soon as we get the money, Blake and Manning get the security. Simple. Very simple. Get going, Ben. That's a waste of the store. You better give me 20 minutes. You the watchman, bud? Huh? Hey, what are you guys thinking? Keep it covered, Pop. Who's out in the shack? Are you kidding? There's nobody ever in... <coughs> you still think we're kidding? Okay. Okay. Just, hey, just some friends of mine. The girl, is she all right? Yeah. What did yeah, you leave the shack right. for? I, I went out the telephone. Uh, we better work fresh, Nick. They'll be expecting him back. Take him under the pier, Al. Pop and I are going to case the shack. No use me looking for Ben out the window, Doc. I can't see nothing. Too foggy. Should have been back here ten minutes ago. Maybe he run into trouble. What trouble? You have a lot more trouble. And what's happened to that watchman? Have I, Mrs. Halverson? That sum of money you're talking about is fantastic. Where could Mr. Manning raise so much money on such short notice? If you'd only trust me, let me out Wendy, of here. Wendy, take a walk. See what's happened to that dumb clock. And don't you get lost. Okay, Doc. I won't be long. That you, Nick? It's me, Pop. What'd you do with Wendy? He's still out cold. I left him with Al. Anything stirring out in the dock? Uh, nothing I can see, Nick. I can hear something bumping, though, against the pilings. Yeah, a boat, probably. Tied up at the end of the pier. A boat? Nick, they could get in that boat and be gone while we're waiting for them here. Stay where you are, Pop. I'll make my way down to the shack. Yeah, not alone, you won't. I was only kidding before, Nick. I can still handle a gun real good. Come on. Okay, but take it slow, Pop, and if you hear anything, duck behind a piling. I don't like this, Doc. First Ben and now Wendy. What's happened to him? If you'd only listen to me... Don't you start me. giving me arguments. Go outside, shake and take a look. I told you before, you can't see a thing. What are you afraid of, ghosts? I just want to know why they ain't come back. I don't know why. And if you ask me, I don't think we should stay to find out. All right, we'll make a break then. Back to the car? Not me, Doc. That's the way they went. Get wise, will you? We'll use Ben's boat. Now get on that ladder out there and see if we can start the motor. You're coming with us, Mrs. Halverson. Where? Where do you think you can go? She's right. We'll have to come ashore sometime. If they spot her... They won't spot her. She won't be with us anymore. Wait a second, Doc. A snatch is one thing, but kill her... Get outside! Do as I tell you. Okay, I... I'll try and start the boat. I'm sorry, lady, but I'm taking no chances. Well, there's no reason why you can't stay here a little while longer. You're much too nervous. That man may have had trouble getting the phone call through in a remote spot like Wendy this. Wendy could have come back and told me, couldn't he? Wendy doesn't seem overly intelligent to me. It's a good argument, lady. But come on, we're getting into that motorboat. Shake! What's the matter down there? Get that motor started. I'm afraid Shake can't hear you, Doc. Nick! Nick, look out! He's got a gun! Glad let's go back in the shack. Stand where you are, Miss Halverson. She's right in front of me, Nick. Go ahead and shoot if you want to. Where do you think you're going, Doc? 
Down the ladder and into that boat, and she's going with me. Now drop your gun. I said drop your gun. All right, Doc. I dropped the gun. No, Nick. No, don't come any closer. Pretty wild, Doc. Try again. It's all right, Nick. I got him covered. Pop on you. Did I get him? You got him, Pop. He's dead. Oh, in all my life, only decent thing I've ever done in all my life. We'll get a doctor. You'll be all right. I'm not complaining. Look after him. Nick's okay. I'll look after him. I, I always said, Nick, Pop, poor old guy. I guess his time was up and mine just wasn't. Nobody lives forever. That's the way he always looked at it anyway. Who was he, Nick? Just an old guy down in his luck. He told me the other day, life goes by so fast you wake up one morning and find you're old. He was worried about us wasting time. Hadn't we better call the police? Yeah, sure. And then what, Nick? Will you still be going back to New York? Gladys, I... Pop needn't have worried about us, Nick. I think he knows that now. For bringing the story of Nick and Gladys unforgettably to life, Our thanks to tonight's stars, Jane Wyman and Ronald Reagan, who join hands at the footlights for a curtain call. Ronnie, I certainly enjoyed your performance in Warner Brothers' The Voice of the Turtle, and I'm sure our listeners will, too. Incidentally, isn't this the first time you and Jane have teamed in radio together? Oh, not quite, Bill. We did a show together once before. But so long ago, you could almost call this our first time together. But if my memory's correct, you both were separately in radio before you came to Hollywood. That's right, Bill. Ronnie was a sports announcer back in Des Moines. Uh, Way, way back, too. But I'm sure you haven't forgotten the touch. Oh, Bill, you never forget that. 30 seconds left to play, score 7-7. to They're out of the huddle up to the line of scrimmage. Ball is snapped to Felton. Felton fakes to Mourney to Kerr. Hands off the ball to Kamansky on a reverse into the line. While a hole and interference opened up, Kamansky breaks into the clear. He's on Slippery Rock State Teacher's 35-yard line. Kamansky's down to the 30. Not a man around him. He's into the clear now. Kamansky on the 20, the 15, the 10, and Kamansky is over. Uh-oh. What happened? Kamansky hasn't got the ball. <laughs> <laughs> But you still have the knack, Ronnie. What did you do on the airways, Jane? Well, I was only in my teens then, Bill, singing Hot Swing on a local station in Missouri. Well, we've had a sample of Ronnie's delivery. How about one of yours? Well, Jane does her swinging on the golf course now, Bill. Tell me, did either of you ever give commercials on the air? Well, I could have given a very honest one for Lux Soap. I was using it even then and still do faithfully. And I wish we had television so our audience could see that very lovely Lux complexion. Well, while we're waiting for television, what's on deck for next week, Bill? Next Monday night, we bring our audience a long-awaited treat and a triple triple attraction. First, one of Hollywood's greatest dramatic actresses, Ida Lupino, co-starred with that romantic screen personality, Zachary Scott, in a drama based on one of the best-selling novels of its time, Edna Ferber's Saratoga Trunk, an exciting saga of romance and action 
in the colorful era of the 1890s. That ought to make great listening for your audience, Bill. Good night. Good night. Good night, and thanks to both of you. Lever Brothers Company, the makers of Lux Toilet Soap, join me in inviting you to be with us again next Monday evening when the Lux Radio Theater presents Ida Lupino and Zachary Scott in Saratoga Trunk. This is William Keeley saying good night to you from Hollywood. Jane Wyman will soon be seen in the Warner Brothers picture, Johnny Belinda. Heard in tonight's cast were William Conrad as Doc, Bill Johnstone as Pop, Ira Grossell as Al, Herbert Butterfield as Manning, Francis Robinson as Penny, and Edwin Max, Tyler McVeigh, Eddie Marr, Herbert Rawlinson, and Edwin Cooper. Our music was directed by Louis Silvers. This program is rebroadcast to our men and women overseas through the worldwide facilities of the Armed Forces Radio Service. Our Lux Radio Theater production of Nobody Lives Forever has come to you with the good wishes of the makers of Lux Toilet Soap, Hollywood's own beauty soap, the complexion care used regularly by nine out of ten lovely screen stars. They depend on this fine white soap for the gentle, beautifying care million-dollar complexions must have. This is your announcer, John Milton Kennedy, reminding you to join us again next Monday night to hear Saratoga Trunk with Ida Lupino and Zachary Scott. Pepsodent won by three to one. Yes, by an overwhelming average of three to one. Families throughout America who compared toothpastes they were using at home preferred new Pepsodent with Erium over any other brand they tried. They said new Pepsodent toothpaste tastes better, makes breath cleaner, makes teeth brighter. Yes, with families who made comparison tests, Pepsodent won by three to one. Be sure to listen next Monday night to the Lux Radio Theater presentation of Saratoga Trunk with Ida Lupino and Zachary Scott. Stay tuned for My Friend Irma, which follows immediately over most of these stations. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. If you are ever in the San Francisco Bay Area and still love collecting or renting DVDs or VHS tapes, come check out Captain Video and San Mateo at 2837 South El Camino Real. Captain Video is open six days a week and closed on Wednesday, and one of the last traditional video stores still running in the United States. New movies you can rent for $2.99 a day. Old movies you can rent for $2.99 for five days. And if renting isn't your thing, you can also purchase anything you find in the store. Be sure to tell Ira that you heard about Captain Video from the Damn Good Movie Memories podcast. Happy renting and happy collecting at Captain Captain Video. Video. Come hang out and chill with Brian A. Davis and the Bad Beat. Wednesdays, 11 p.m. Eastern, right here on ThatMetalStation.com.